Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. Hosts Rich and Susan Kohlenberg found freedom from 25 years of out-of-control drug and alcohol addiction. They are living testimonials, and in their series, The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain, Rich and Susan share messages on the problems we face and how Jesus Christ is the remedy to reasoning and thinking right thoughts. Learn how to break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this series, The Kingdom of God and What Went Wrong with the Human Brain. In this series, we'll explore what happened to humanity, what God's done to set it right, and, uh, you know, we're going to try to answer some questions. Uh, why are we so addicted to sin, and why are we so selfish? Do you... And did you ever notice that uh, that those that are the most selfish uh, don't realize they're selfish? Kind of like uh, people like me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Susan, would you open with a word of prayer? Sure. Loving Father in Heaven, we just want to thank you for um, this day, for the opportunity to reach out to people regarding um, the condition of the human brain and Lord, we ask that you will send your Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds that we may get to know you better and um, come to you with all of our issues and our problems. And we thank for complete healing and restoration. Restoration. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Susan. Um, yeah, and so far in this series, let's kind of do a little recap, a little uh, rewind, if we will. We've discussed what went wrong in Eden and that Adam had broke trust with God and damaged the human brain. And then ever since then, all the descendants of Adam have been born with an infection. What's that infection? It's fear and selfishness. Fear and selfishness, distrust. It's all, re- all resulting from believing lies about God. We're all infected. And Jesus said uh, to Nicodemus that you must be born again. And, and why would he say that? Because there's actually something wrong with the first birth. Psalms 51.5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So, so there's something wrong with the first birth because, um, because Adam was never designed or never created uh, to be fearful. He was to put full trust in God, and when he put full trust in God, he lived in harmony with God's ways, and everything was fine. Um, it's it's just like uh, if I do something bad or I do something to violate my marriage vow, vows, um, I'm going to have a real hard time looking my wife in the face. And this is what happened in the garden with Adam. He, he, uh, he broke trust with God. God gave him everything and said, I don't want you to know evil, so stay away from that tree. And Adam went there anyway and uh, got, himself in, uh, got himself entangled with the originator of evil. Mm-hmm. And um, and then after that, he couldn't look God in the eye. And remember, God was in the garden chasing after Adam. Where are you? And he said, I was naked and ashamed ashamed and, and afraid. afraid. Right. And so I hid myself. And, you know. So that, was, that wasn't God's um, putting that upon Adam. It was actually Adam's conscience. Yeah. That um, made him realize. Adam was no longer happy with himself. Right. 
But then, of course, he you know blamed his wife well, and sure. then blamed God. Instantly, that's right. what happens. We right. go back into that self-protection mode. It's mode. We, it's got to be somebody else's fault. It's not right, mine. Right. We don't want to take accountability for our actions. We're looking to put it off onto somebody else. Right. Right. So, how do we get out of that? How do we get out of that fear, selfishness mode? And and so, <clears throat> there's. There's got to be a process, and and Jesus uh, talks about this process of being born again, um, and we want to go through that process, and we want to understand uh, that if we don't get it right, we can get our growth stunted. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our spiritual growth can be stunted. Now, last time we discussed the devil and declaratives, and how declaratives can damage the brain. What's a declarative? Of course, that is something you simply declare. It's a statement. But it's really not su- sometimes supported completely with evidence and facts. Like if, you know, an abuser may be beating his wife at the same time, could be telling her that he loves her. And what is the, uh, what is the uh, abuser's, the abuser is declaring something that's not true. Right. So just because somebody declares something, it doesn't make it true. Yeah. Right. It's, it's evidence Evidence isn't supporting that, okay? And these these declaratives, these uh, we can find some. Actually, we can find some in the Bible. And right, right. in First John one nine, it says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." Okay, and we're about ready to go. We're going to go into the the the. Uh, and we went in the last couple of programs. We went through the seven levels of moral development. And actually, um, this promise here is a, is a level two promise. If we confess, God will reward us by forgiving. Okay? That's what the declarative says. That's what the declarative says. But if, if you take it at face value. But what does it really mean? What does the story say? What does reality say? Weren't those that put Jesus on the cross forgiven? Did the woman that was thrown down in adultery ask for forgiveness? It's not recorded. Did the paralytic that was let down through the roof, did he ask for forgiveness? What does the story say? See, if my ability to forgive someone is based on their repentance, I'm now held hostage to their morality. God is not held hostage to our morality. He is forgiveness personified. When we forgive, when we ask for forgiveness, we're able to embrace that forgiveness. So it's our hearts that have the problem. It's not God's unwillingness to forgive. He wants, uh, so, that, so the text, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He knows how the human brain operates. But that's a level two promise. That's, a, that's an exchange. So we also discussed these seven levels of moral development, and I wanted to, to go back through them um, in the, in the um, looking at it through the lens of growing up as a Christian, okay? Um, growing up as a Christian, and what, what are these levels called, Susan? Uh, they're called the... Um Lawrence Kohlberg's and Tim Jennings, uh, Dr. Tim Jennings' seven levels of moral development. 
Okay, and what's number one again? Because this is review. The last couple programs we went through this, but you, uh, we can see, um, we can see how how we grow up through these levels, and and we're gonna be we're gonna go through the Bible here, and we're gonna see if there's any encouragement for us to grow up. So number one is obedience driven by avoidance of punishment. Yeah, this is the most very. This is the most primitive of obediences. In other words, uh, someone threatens punishment, and you know, it, uh, this was this would be for a young child, or you know, you can get a dog to obey you by threatening him with punishment. But it's very primitive, uh, but it's necessary. What's level two? Number two is obedience driven by reward or exchange. Uh, this is Santa Claus, right? Mm-hmm. If you're good, I'll give you something, right? Right. Uh, very primitive once again. So number three is obedience driven by social approval. Okay. And this is, of course, what what is this obedience driven by social approval? Going along with the crowd. Right. Right. Whether it makes sense or not. Right. Just, just everybody's just get, doing it, so I might as well up. do it too. You bet. Get caught up in, in going along with the crowd. Okay, what's number four? Number four is obedience driven by obeying authority and conforming to rules. Okay, those operating on this level see sin as simply breaking the rules. Um, This is a works-based religion, a prescribed set of rules that are followed, some good, some not so good, but we just do it because it's the rule. See, the Pharisees had a lot of rules. There are churches today that have a lot of rules. Now, there's nothing wrong with rules, but... uh, as long as we know what they mean. The Pharisees in Christ's day, Christ day operated on these first four levels. They operated level one through four religion. Right. Um, let's step it up a notch here. Let's get into, uh, into growing up here. What's levels five through seven? Five is obedience driven by love for others. Okay. So obedience driven by love for others. And there was things change in your mind, and we're not so much worried about rules as we are worried about people and helping people. Let's just say, for instance, you're out for a jog, but you happen to have a suspended driver's license, and you're out for a jog, and you see some lady in a car slouched over her steering wheel, and there's a child in the back, 10-year-old child in the back, screaming, help, help, my mommy needs to get to the hospital. We lost her medicine. And, of course, you're standing there. You have a suspended driver's license, are you going to, what are you going to do? Worry to be worried about um, getting a ticket? Or are you going to move the lady over, hop in her car and drive her to the hospital and get her what she needs? Maybe even run a red light or two on your way. Uh, so you just change from level one through four thinking to level five thinking when we start thinking about others and not worrying about self so much. Mm-hmm. So levels uh, number six is obedience driven by internal moral principles. Okay, so those uh, operating on this level see sin not so much as being selfish, sin's hurtful to others. There's a principle at work. When one gets temporary selfish gain, someone else loses. And you'll notice this uh, in addiction. When addicts uh, finally get clean and sober um, and they come to the conclusion, I don't know, like maybe... You did, Susan, but I sure did. I got tired of hurting people, and uh, one of the main things that I realized I was doing was I was stealing time from people, Mm -hmm. and addicts can do that. 
You know, we just say uh, we're not hurting anybody but ourselves, but in reality, um, we stay away from people, we recluse, we we do those things which are not normal, and we're social beings, and people need to be with people. And when you're an addict and or an alcoholic, you tend to tend isolate to hide, isolate. Yes. Right. Yeah, so what's level seven? Seven is obedience driven by looking at the world through God's eyes and being his understanding friend. Okay, and we see level seven morality when Jesus is on the cross and he's praying, Father, forgive them. He's worried about them. He's saying, John, please take care of my mother. He's thinking about other people in his agony. He's not worried about self. We see Stephen looking up and saying, lay not this sin to their charge. He's worried about other people. And uh, seeing people through God's eyes, hoping for their restoration. Right, because that's what God really desires. God is God desires that all should come to repentance and be you know, born again and become... Uh, children of his again and not to be um, not to go go astray God's not looking to get people into trouble he's trying to restore them back to their original image that he created us in it's you know it's like it's like going to a doctor you go to the doctor to get well should you be afraid of the doctor if he was going to give you a don't you want to know the complete diagnosis and the complete treatment if you go to a doctor right um It's, you don't want the doctor to uh, hide anything from you. Right, and so sometimes I think we can go to the Bible, and, and um, it, it sounds as though um, when God is speaking to us um, or to his children in the Bible, it's like he's speaking He's speaking immaturely to, so that he can get across to his people. So the Bible is for everybody. It's for the immature and the mature. Um, so everybody, we're all at different stages of spiritual growth and moral development, and yet somehow he's able to speak to all of us at, at any time in our growth. Right, and that's what we need to understand, that when, when God seems to raise his voice, sometimes um, it's because those children need it. They need to have his voice raised. And other times, like Elijah in the cave, he's going to whisper in a still, small voice. Mm-hmm. And Elijah is prepared to hear it because he was, he was uh, full-grown. He was he he's grown up now, and God can whisper in his ear. And then, what's the next thing that happened to Elijah after God whispered in his ear? He was translated. He was translated. He went to heaven because he was ready. He heard that still small voice. Um, how did Jesus set Nic- Nicodemus right? How did he? You remember Nicodemus? He had spent his entire life administering the wrong treatment for his condition. Um, why I say the wrong treatment? What's the only treatment for our condition? Well, it has to be the the correct uh, good news of the gospel. Good news of the gospel. But what happens if we call our treatment God or our tr- we call our treatment good news, but uh, we have a skewed picture or we, we, we're not seeing it clearly? Because Nicodemus called his treatment God. He worshipped him. Mm-hmm. He did everything he thought he was supposed to do, but he was doing it to avoid punishment. Right. And to gain a promised reward, right? Wouldn't that kind of set you set you back if you were in Nicodemus Nicodemus's position? And all these years, you had been a teacher of Israel and and someone revered by all the people, and then all of a sudden, Jesus tells you, "You've got to be born again." Yeah, you got to start from the. You got to start over, because what you're what you're doing is your religion is 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 
is your religion is um, you've got the wrong idea. You've got the wrong you've got the wrong idea. You're still acting on fear and selfishness. And if you're doing something to avoid punishment or hope for reward, that's not a that's not a loving that's not doing it uh, in association with a loving, understanding friend. That's fear of coercion and bribery on the part of God, if it were true. Right. So there's no true friendship. There's no true true relationship. It's the surface of, um, you know, watch out because I'm going to get you. Right. Type if, of a thing. Yeah. If I have to threaten Susan with punishment in order for her to cook my dinner, what would that say about our relationship? See, what, what levels of moral development was Nicodemus operating on? What, what the, were the Pharisees operating on? Level one through four. And level one through four needs some external force to motivate them to good behavior. But see, Jesus was helping Nicodemus to grow up and get that motivation from the inside. Right. So it's kind of like the head, you know, we talk about the head knowledge and it actually dropping out down into the heart. So the heart is where the mind really thinks and where you can you can see that bigger picture and it becomes a part of who you are. Just like Jesus says, I want to write my law in your heart. Right. So it becomes a part of who you are. It becomes a part of who you are. Right. It's so not that, just something that you've read in the Bible. It, no. It's actually become you. A you, heart motivation. Correct. There's no external force is now motivating you. It's from love. Remember the woman at the You're well? You're a changed person. He says, you, you, you will be a well springing up inside you. Right. And that, that well springing up inside you is love. Mm -hmm. And when you give, more comes, and it just springs up. See, the devil was claiming that God was operating his, his, his uh, universe on level two in the book of Job, mm -hmm. um, that God was bribing his subjects. See, and if, once, you get, once you step back and you, you look at that book that way, you can see what, God, what, jo um, what the devil's attack really was on. He was saying, you take things away from Job and he's going to curse you to your face. You can't run a universe based on love. You have to externally convince your subjects to follow you by, by either giving them goodies or threatening them with punishment. And that was the, the, the direct um, accusation of the devil was, God, you cannot run a universe based on love. You have to bribe your subjects. And God said, no, Job really does hate evil. He really does love me. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just interesting. So, so the devil was actually claiming that God was operating in his universe on level two, which I find that really interesting. Um, if Job hadn't have been operating on level five, what do, you so, what do you suppose Job's response would have been when everything was taken away from Maybe him? Maybe he would have cursed God. <laughs> yeah, if he was operating on level two, See, yeah, and, well, and I think that's where it is. It, the, the different levels, it's a level of trust. It's a level of faith. It's a level of understanding. And God, and Job had been through enough in his life where that level of trust was mature. Mm -hmm. And so he maybe he didn't understand everything, but he had a relationship with God, and so that trust carried him through those times. Yeah. And it's the same thing for us when we go through hard times. Do we have that trust? Do we know God enough? Do we know him well enough for who he is that we can trust him through anything? And um, because, you know, uh, bad things do happen. Yeah, we live on a dangerous planet and bad things happen. 
Bad things happened to Job. Right. And behind the scenes, we see what was going right. on. Right. We see who, where, the, that, the, where that evil came from. It didn't come from God. It came from Satan. He mm-hmm. was the one who accused God, and he accused Job, and, and um, so it was just laid out there. He's trying to disprove how God runs his universe. So does God want us to grow up? What does Hebrews 5.12 say? There has been enough time for you to be teachers, yet you still need someone to teach you the first lesson of God's message. Instead of eating solid food, you still have to drink milk. Anyone who has to drink milk is still a child without any experience in the matter of right and wrong. So do levels one through four know the difference between right and wrong? See, they might, but are they more interested in just in trying to avoid punishment or to gain something. Once again, that external, that external, and, and, and in Hebrews, Paul is saying we need to grow up. Right, because we gotta, we it, we need to get to the point where we're truly under an understanding friend of God, where yeah. we understand how His universe operates, how He created it in the beginning, and what is our part within the that bigger picture. Exactly. How do we fit in in harmony with the way? In harmony with love. Right, because God created us to be partakers and dispensers of love, and instead we became takers yeah, of life. takers. So continue in Hebrews there, Hebrews 5.14. Uh, solid food, on the other hand, is for adults who, who through practice are able to, distinct, to distinguish between good and evil. See, and there's the key. Uh, when you grow up, you're able to distinguish between good and evil. In other words, when we have love for one another, we ask ourselves, do my decisions benefit everyone concerned? What is the difference between good and evil? What is it? What is the difference between good and evil? Being out of harmony with the way God runs his universe isn't wrong just because God said so. Life can't exist that way. In other words, killing, lying, and cheating aren't wrong just because God said so. Those things are actually wrong because they're prompted by fear and insecurity. There will be no cheaters in heaven. What does is, what is 1 Peter 2, 1 say? Rid yourselves then of all evil, no more lying or hypocrisy or jealousy or insulting language. Okay. Rid, rid yourself of all evil then. In other words, First uh, Peter 2, 2, be like newborn babes, always thirsting for the pure spiritual milk, so that by drinking it, you may grow up and be saved. As the scripture said, you have found out yourselves how kind the Lord is, how good God is, how wonderful he is, and how loving he is. And, 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 and that, uh, that transforms us. The love of God transforms us. Um, and, and I think that when you, we look at Jesus' life, and watched how he treated people, and and how he was in constant thinking of others, in constant self-sacrifice, in constant, um, constantly just thinking of other people. And I think that's a whole uh, different way of looking at things than our selfish. We're always looking out for number one, trying to take care of number one, and um, and that's what this growing up is all about. That's what this. Today's program is all right. About. So becoming from a child into a full-grown adult, so that you see, you're, it's it's not just a yeah going, elementary, but you're able to look beyond the elementary facts and to look at that bigger picture. Going through those seven levels of moral development right. and, and and 
getting through because they're these are descriptive. They're just stages that we all go through, and we go through them uh, in, in in life. I mean, and we go through them in our theological uh, um, Understandings. Uh, understandings and stuff. Um, and so that's all God wants to remember. Eternal life is to know Him, to know Him, and what His ways are about, and how He is self-sacrificing, and that can transform us into being self-sacrificing people, not operating on fear and selfishness. Folks, uh, it's about time we wrap it up here. Next time we're going to have number six, uh, Creator and cre- God, Creator or Controller. Um, and you can give us a call, 916-645-1297, or you can catch us on the web, www.justasiamministries.org. Drop us a line. Um, and we have some free resources We have as free well resources. If you know you anybody that's struggling with alcoholism or any kind of addiction, uh, have them, um, just give us a call, and uh, we'll meet with you. Uh, maybe have, a, have breakfast. Who knows? But shoot us a call. And remember, folks, that there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle, and the other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do I love them? Can I feel his pain and his need? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose in the series, The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain? If you or someone you know is living in the captivity of addiction and having trouble finding freedom, Rich and Susan Collenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for yourself, someone you know, or your church, call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com and they'll send one to you. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. Contact them at 916-645-1297 or online at justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.